got it. Hello, 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 everyone, one and all. Welcome to another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I'm ready to pitch some fantasy with my friend, Dylan, because you know what? It's back. (laughs) Friends Pitching Fantasy Part 2, a very Charles episode, is kicking off right now. People have been following the Friends Pitching Fantasy series this week will know that on Sunday, Dylan pitched three books for us to potentially read as our next series after Book of the Ancestor. He had pitched Gentlemen Bastards, First Law, and Long Way to a Small, Angry Planet. And after hearing his pitches, I decided that I could not walk away from the First Law trilogy. So we will be reading that upcoming. What will we be reading along with the First Law trilogy? Well, that's up for us to decide today. Um, I've got three books, three pitches on deck, ready to give them to my friend Dylan, and it'll be up to him to make the choice of which series will be next on our list of books to read and discuss here on the podcast. Well done, Charles. I'm really looking forward to hearing your pitches here. I Thank you. Think if, I know what you're pitching already, but... uh. Mm. You should definitely let the listeners yeah. know because I know you've got some great ones in store. Yeah, for us. yeah, I've got my I got work cut out for me today trying to pitch some of these books. It's gonna, it's a, it was a bit overwhelming, but um, I guess I'll just get right into it. But before I do, folks, uh, you know we supre- we appreciate all the support you fans have been tossing our way, and no time like the present. If you listened to Dylan's episode and you liked it, you listened to this one, you're liking it, you're excited for it. Drop five stars. Toss five stars to your podcast. <laughs> Reach out to us on social media. Just Google Friends Talking Fantasy and interact with all the stuff you see. And we greatly appreciate it. We'd love talking to you. We'll talk back. We promise. And um, with I'll that, talk back. Dylan will do most of the talking, but I'll, <laughs> I'll weigh in. You know, he's always got my blessing when he sends stuff out publicly. So, um, yeah. with, so oh, go for it. Oh, I realized we didn't explain. Because we we just recorded the other episode, but the listeners might be listening to this fresh, and we know the numbers have spoken. Charles, your episode from last time was slightly more popular than my episode from right, last time, at least thus far. I'm hoping to make noticing. a comeback. <laughs> I did notice uh, a lot of those downloads are coming from Georgia, the state. Hard to say what's going on there, but. Either way, yours was more popular. So th- there might be a lot of people tuning into this who didn't just listen to my episode. So I guess we should say the way that this works is Charles is going to pitch three books and I'm going to listen. And uh, we got rid of all the other messy stuff around that. If you listen to any of our other episodes before last week's, we're just yep. basically we doing simplif- We streamlined Friends yeah. Pitching Fantasy to be I'm pitching three books have a little reaction discussion in between each one and Dylan's going to pick one that simple at the end we'll have the first law and we'll have whatever series Dylan picks to determine which one we read first will be the highly anticipated virtual audio only coin flip (laughs) 
Yeah, there's nothing the listeners love more than when we flip a coin on your computer screen, Charles, and then tell them if it landed on heads or tails. But we've got a lot in store for them before we get yeah, there. Yeah, I know so it's exciting, tuned. but don't skip to the end because we got a lot of great <laughs> pitching to come up in between that. So without further ado, let's just jump right into it here. Like Dylan was alluding to, I've got my work cut out for me today, pitching three heavy hitters here. The first being A Song of Ice and Fire, starting with A Game of Thrones by George R.R. Martin. The big one. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think most people have, are kind of familiar with it. Um, yeah. So, I have to pitch that, which... Um, okay. <laughs> uh, then we have the Farseer trilogy, beginning with Assassin's Apprentice by Robin Hobb. Absolute classic. Mm-hmm. And then we have The Wheel of Time, starting with The Eye of the World by Robert Jordan. Yeah, so. heard of that one too. <laughs> That's surprising. <laughs> Oof. I mean, I know. I couldn't help this, it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like uh, whenever Wheel of Time comes up, I just immediately Dylan Tark starts taking shots <laughs> out of nowhere for not having read that and still thinking that he can be a fantasy podcaster. <laughs> yep. So three heavy hitters. Nothing left to do but to just get right into it and. I think I'm just going to go right into A Song of Ice and Fire, just tackle that one right away, get it behind us. So um, if you're ready, Dylan, I'll go ahead and start pitching. I'm ready. Okay, okay. How am I supposed to pitch A Song of Ice and Fire in a way that will do this work any justice? Um, I will briefly give a nice quick synopsis here. Long ago, in a time forgotten... uh, Pre- preternatural event preternatural <laughs> that was from the back of the book Nailed it. event p r e t e r preternatural 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 i don't know maybe that yeah. was a typo event no th- it's a real word oh i don't know how you say it well, but it was on the, the pitch. Back. Thank you, thank you. Uh, through the seasons out of balance and the land where summers can last decades and winter is a lifetime, trouble is brewing. The cold is returning. And in the frozen wastes to the north of Winterfell, sinister and supernatural forces are massing beyond the kingdom's protective wall. At the center of the conflict lie the Starks of Winterfell, a family as harsh and unyielding as the lands they were born to. Sweeping from a land of brutal cold to a distant summertime kingdom of Epicurean plenty, here is a tale of lords and ladies, soldiers and sorcerers, assassins and bastards who come together in a time of grim omens. So, wow, pretty epic stuff here. And I just wanted to go on before I get too into the meat of the pitch by saying, without a song of ice and fire, there would be no friends talking fantasy podcast uh, it's yes, that simple that is 100% true i mean this is a legendary work a cultural phenomena that kicked off both of our passions and inspirations and never ending hunger for modern fantasy it started here for you it started here for me and I think it started here for a lot of people in this day and age. Already considered a classic, A Game of Thrones is just one of the quintessential masterpieces of modern fantasy. 
and even the television show as well needs no introduction cultural phenomena for nearly a decade just absolutely took over popular culture and i remember when our jaws dropped simultaneously as we watched the season six finale and throughout the remember we were in person and we watched i do that? remember we were in person for that one i mean come i think everyone has memories of watching certain episodes of that show for sure and it's just full of those jaw-dropping amazing moments and what's amazing about george rr martin is that he keeps it coming and your jaw continues to drop every time you think after the first one you'd be prepared for it but you're just not you just can't be and that's just speaks to the master work that is george's plotting and character development i mean it's it's sparked for us endless conversations and before season eight came out of the tv show endless speculations of how this story would go and how it would become and it's these conversations that got us excited about fantasy and excited about the potential of recording a podcast so i mean it all tacks on to george's mastery and checks all the boxes great characters dialogue prose plot development world building all these military aspects i mean i just wanted to read a couple short quotes that i think even people who haven't read the books or watched the series might even know Uh, a mind needs books as a sword needs a whetstone if it is to keep its edge beautiful beautiful never forget what you are for surely the world will not make it your strength then it can never be your weakness armor yourself in it and it will never be used to hurt you. A lot of Tyrion quotes coming at us. Absolutely. Bran thought about it. Can a man still be brave if he's afraid? That is the only time a man can be brave, his father told him. Masterful. One more. The man who passes the sentence should swing the sword. If you would take a man's life, you owe it to him to look into his eyes and hear his final words. And if you cannot bear to do that, then perhaps the man does not deserve to die. I mean, you could go on and on and on. Just in the first book, all these amazing quotes and characterizations and, and moments that, that solidify this as a masterpiece. Now, reading the first, I should have mentioned at the top that I was really proposing that we read the first three books in A Song of Ice and Fire for right now, and then we would come back and read the other two and then the rest as they drop. And there's some challenges with that. Um, everyone's in fantasy is familiar with this controversy that there's no releasement date announced for winds of winter and there's doesn't seem to be in sight anytime soon there's been some backlash to how season eight was finished and it's tend to kind of quelled the fandom and all the conversations online have taken a huge plunge since the show has come out i'm those are the challenges but i say Let's read these first three books of A Song of Ice and Fire. Get it in the back catalog. Reignite that passion. Get better prepared for the eventual releasement of Winds of Winter. And let's bring some much-needed enthusiasm and positivity back into the Game of Thrones community while we're at it. Charles, that's an eloquent pitch. Thank you. And I appreciate you bringing that. I, I know we have this little time here. I don't have to ask questions, but I do have some reservations. 
despite everything you've said in the pitch. And and I hear you saying all this, let's bring some positivity and enthusiasm and this kind of stuff. And even as I hear you proposing a song of ice and fire here, I I find myself almost like like taking these deep breaths <laughs> over here, yeah. and like sighing. <laughs> and I feel like maybe some of our listeners are too, and it does stem back to the or stem from the the way that season eight of the show and i know that the show is not the books and i know you're not pitching the show you're pitching the books Mm -hmm. but i don't know if i'm the man right now charles or one of the people to (laughs) bring that kind of positivity and enthusiasm around it because i feel like me much like many of the people out there who watch the show and love the books are are feeling a little bit down right now and almost feel like we're still in a period of mourning uh, with how the show ended. I can understand that. I I just feel like, you know, season eight was a few years ago now, or at least a year ago. I forget how long it's been. Uh, but at least one, maybe one and a half Hard or something. Hard to know. Um, yeah. So it's in the past. And I get that like the popular thing to do when talking about Game of Thrones online right now is to poke holes and poke fun at season eight. And um, whether it does or does not deserve that kind of attention is not for us to decide or discuss right now. But that does not undo the magic that is the first half of that story and is the books. And that's why I tried to... Stuff some of these quotes in here to kind of breathe some of that life back in. I remember when we were recording our character series, uh, both of them, like mm-hmm. multiple Game of Thrones characters appeared for both of us for both episodes. I mean, that's no coincidence. The, these books are astounding and they're full of great characters and they deserve to be remembered and respected in a way beyond like the memes of poking holes in season eight. If you ask me, we've had that conversation and it's, there's nothing more to contribute, but what I think we can do is look back and appreciate the, the masterpiece that is game of Thrones. You know what? It'll be good to have it in the back catalog. It'll be a welcome to anyone coming onto our podcast can see it and watch it. And a similar thing with Lord of the Rings, right? These are classic works that we should be putting out getting catalogs so that we're prepared for when because when i mean when winds of winter comes out it's going to be a big deal and we got to be ready so all for the sake of positivity and love and and i mean come on just like i said it didn't feel like friends talking fantasy without having abercrombie brought into the mix i feel we're missing that that only that last other piece is game of thrones man then then we're in it i get where you're coming from charles and i can say even without hearing the rest of your pitches that i do at some point, uh, we will read the A Song of Ice and Fire <laughs> series on the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast, right? Mm-hmm. I, and I think it, it'll come down. You did a good job pitching this one, and it'll come down for me to hearing these other pitches as to whether or not that will be very soon. <laughs> Message received. With that being said, (laughs) I will move on to my second pitch for the evening, and that is the Farseer trilogy, starting with The Assassin's Apprentice by Robin Hobb. And this is a trilogy. 
So we'll, we'd read the whole thing. So, quick background. The Farseer trilogy is about Fitz, son of chivalry Farseer. He's a royal bastard cast out into the world, friendless and lonely. Only his magical link with animals, the old art known as the wit, gives him solace and companionship. But the wit, if used too often, is a perilous magic and one abhorred by the nobility. So when Fitz is finally adopted into the royal household, he must give up his old ways and embrace a new life of weaponry, scribing, courtly manners, and how to kill a man secretly as he trains to become a royal assassin. And as I was perusing through all of the praise for this trilogy, I came across one written by the prolific Goodreads writer and reviewer Mark Lawrence, who also has penned Book of the Ancestor, which we're in the middle of reading and recording as we speak today. Which is so good. (laughs) It is good. And I thought it would be fitting to pull just a few sentences from his review for you today. So this is from Mark Lawrence. Robin Hobb can write a first-person story with rare skill. She shows you a world through Fitz's eyes and makes it matter, makes it vital. Some elements of Hobbes' fantasy are fairly old school, but written with a modern style and a literary skill that one almost never used to see in fantasy and is still hard to find in the genre. What Hobbes does best, quite possibly better than any other fantasy writer, is build, develop, and breathe life into relationships. She writes great characters that you can believe in, but it's in interactions that they truly shine. Now. I wholeheartedly agree with Mark Lawrence, by the way. I was like, he said it way better than I ever could. So that's why I put it in there. It's got my stamp of approval. Now, yeah, there's that some... guy should be a writer. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, right? He's good at this. Yeah, he definitely has a good mind for fantasy. <laughs> so here's some of the challenges, right? A lot of the common criticisms for Assassin's Apprentice, and there are some, cite lack of action, pacing, and frustration with uh, fantasy's most famous human doormat, Fitz. And I say, Hobbes' commitment to the first person of Fitz as he navigates the frustrating structure of politics and high society is what makes this series stand out as one of the greats in modern fantasy. Her mastery of characterization and her honest and often painstaking portrayal of relationships is second to none. So I'm telling you, Today, Dylan, when you are considering to read the Farseer trilogy, consider a great first-person perspective where we really get to know Fitz the character. And yes, maybe nothing ex- truly action-packed or subverting is going on, but it's honest and true, and it's the most intimate we'll get to know a character. And his relationships get so intimate, and it's sometimes so like heart-wrenching that it, it it's what seals this whole trilogy as a masterpiece. Wow. I'm very I'm very impressed by Thank you. your pitch there, Charles. Uh you you know my background with these books mm-hmm. and uh I'll let the listeners in on them. I, I did read the first one that's assassin's apprentice if i'm correct remembering correctly Mm -hmm. and i i was kind of lukewarm on it like i 
I liked it. I didn't think it was bad or anything, but then I, I wasn't really hooked. And when I started the second one, somehow I just kind of lost steam and it just didn't grab me in the ways that I was looking for Charles. And I think part of what I want to know is if I've already given these a, a shot and they didn't grab me, what would make this time around different for me? Sure. And I think there's two things. The first is kind of like the state of mind. Like I'm trying to remember, but at the time we were both going through a lot of this modern fantasy for the first time. And it, and it just, it stands alone kind of at, at the table of modern fantasy. It's kind of got its own seat on the edge of the table because it's so first person and so singular and, and it does draw a lot of this more high fantasy stuff into its modernness. Um, so I think if you come at it with the perspective of, okay, here's a writer, Robin Hobb, a mastery of characterization, and let's see how she tells her story through this first-person perspective of Fitz. And when you go in with that perspective and that's appreciation, I think you'll get a lot more out of it and you'll stick with it. I'll also say that just by reading the first book, you're missing out on this piece I was talking about, which was the relationships. And I know from King Kill, you love yourself some complicated relationships and uh Fitz has them in spades with not just with romantic interests but with everyone else in his life so um I would say you really get to see those develop and pay off uh by the end and I just remember I read these so long ago I, I read uh the Farseer trilogy when I was commuting into Manhattan from Long Island and I was listening to the audiobooks I, no I was reading them on the train and I would. How I was, many years ago, approximately? Is that how many Charles? years like, ago? That would have been like four, five, five. Four yeah. yeah, that's just hard to believe. But that's how long it's been. And I remember being on the train. Like I remember where I was holding the book. Like when the book ended, and I was like, "Wow, it's like, you know, it 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 left it left an impact on me. I'll say that how this book ended, and I I don't really want to go into more into it than that. Other than I remember sitting on the train, closing the book, and being like, "Whoa, that kind of impacted me in a, in a bit." So, I'd be curious to get your experiences reading through the trilogy and seeing how you would react to the ending as well. And um, that's why I'm bringing it back, knowing that you had read the first book and not the other two, and that's why I kind of highlighted some of the challenges and tried to focus more on the characterization and the relationships. Mm. Did you say you closed an audiobook? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> like I, I, I was on my Kindle. I forgot oh, gotcha. that. I, I, I kind of backpedaled <laughs> mid-sentence there. I had said oh, audiobook I and I said, no, wait, the Kindle. and Because I remembered reading it and, and closing yeah. it. So, um. Yeah, well... I appreciate you pointing attention to characterization, but I do think I was reading it probably. And this was before you went too. to school, right? As a counseling oh, psychologist. It, it was when, uh, well, as a person pursuing a PhD in counseling right, psychology. Right, right, right. Thank sure you. That's all conveyed properly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was back in New York when I was reading it too, I remember. So that does mean it was probably five years or so ago, four or five mm -hmm. years. Yeah, I should have laid more into that into my pitch of like, now you're in the world of psychology. I think we're ready for a first person fantasy book, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Farseer feels like 
the series that I, on paper and given the things that people say about it, I should enjoy more than I ended up enjoying it. And I mm-hmm. wonder how much of that was my perspective back then being that fantasy is supposed to be this sprawling third person limited jumping from point of view to point of view type story with lots of action where I was like, what's going on maybe when I was reading Farseer, it's hard for me to place it in time. Like had I read King killer yet? I don't think so. So it's like, Hard to say. Hmm. Maybe all of this time would help change my perspective. Because everyone says it's like, oh, if you like psychology, you'll love Farseer. <laughs> it's like, well, I, I like psychology, I like to think. <laughs> well, so, it's really yeah. only interesting to be, to have this intermittent perspective of Fitz. But hmm. I just think the challenge is that Fitz is, like I said, this human doormat of a character. So there's challenges that come with that. But still you can appreciate the skill that went into characterizing him and, and bringing, conveying the story through his perspective exclusively while yeah. also him being kind of this doormat character. So, Yeah, it's a tough sell when I think the number one thing I talked about I like in <laughs> protagonists is being proactive when oh, we did our yeah, favorite protagonist yeah. episode. Is not so as proactive as your favorite characters are (laughs) (laughs) so i'll just keep that in in mind as i'm mulling over all these i will say that that was an awesome pitch charles thank you well most of the credit goes to mark lawrence i think but i'll take what i get always (laughs) (laughs) I'll, i'll take piece of it sure uh so if you are all set i can start wheel of time well, I think we have to choose it before we can just go ahead and start. With well, the start the pitch. Okay. Yes, you can start the pitch. Okay, thank you. So, <laughs> just getting a little uh, <laughs> chippy out here. <laughs> Friends pitching fantasy. <laughs> okay, well, with that, um, this is my pitch for The Wheel of Time, starting with The Eye of the World by Robert Jordan, another series that is returning from our first ever fresh pitching fantasy you remember it was so close last time between the wheel of time and the lord of the rings and that was close it was close and, and dylan chose lord of the rings that time and we had a great buddy read of that series so definitely go back and check that out but now here we are i'm returning and uh, let's see if i can bring home the pitch this time so the wheel of time turns and ages come and go leaving memories that become legend legend fades to myth And even myth is long forgotten when the age that gave it birth returns again. In the third age, an age of prophecy, the world of time themselves hang in the balance. What was, what will be, and what is may yet fall under shadow. When the two rivers is attacked by Trollocs, a savage tribe of half-men, half-beasts, five villagers flee that night into a world they barely imagined, with new dangers waiting in the shadows and in the light. So, is man. your plan to just read the whole series <laughs> to me on, live on the podcast? That's just a little background, man. I'm setting the mood here before you okay. skewer it. As <laughs> my pitch here is poked a hole in. <laughs> well, anyway, so the mood has been set now. Um, Definitely. So, I mean, we. 
I highly recommend people go back and check out my first pitch for the Wheel of Time to Dylan um, because I went hard on this whole idea of this high fantasy experience, right? Because Lord of the Rings and Wheel of Time are probably the two, like looking back, quintessential high fantasy series for a modern fantasy podcaster to have under their belts. <laughs> and... I think you made the right choice starting with Lord of the Rings, but I'm, I'm going to go back to that same argument. I, I think that last piece before you can be complete <laughs> is the Wheel of Time. And we know that's true from our iterations with Phantology and all of our conversations on the Twitter sphere that <laughs> the Wheel of Time fandom is alive and well and maybe has never been healthier and stronger um there's still tons of enthusiasm for this series out there uh, there's still lots of conversations happening around these books and for good reason they're so expansive and it's such a huge story and this idea of world building has never been so like ambitiously approached as it has been in the wheel of time so that's the piece I think that we need to come back to. It's like, hey, you want to see some really great world building drawn on these like high fantasy elements that bring it into something that even modern day fantasy readers can talk about and theorize about. And we know the end gets picked up by one of our favorites, Brandon Sanderson. So just the whole community of fantasy fans, like Wheel of Time is wound up in all of it. And it's an experience that you definitely need to have. And I'm telling you, it's worth it. I know people look at this 14 book like thing and see like, oh my God, I'm not reading a 14 book trilogy. But we read the first three now, which is what I'm proposing, books one, two, and three. And we'll pepper in the other <laughs> ones throughout the length of the podcast. There's no rush to get through all of them. But I will say the ending that culminates in the final battle is a really exciting one. I think the magic systems in this are really unique and exciting and the different creatures and characters and relationships and things like that. It's certainly um, an exciting one. Well worth the experience of reading them. The audiobooks, as I said last time, I know you're an audiobook guy, Michael Kramer and Kate Redding at their best, hands down down they do an absolutely amazing job with these audiobooks and it's really a really just amazing experience to listen to them perform all these different hundreds of different characters throughout 14 books it's like days worth of audio it's really it's really crazy when you think about the scope of this work and how much people still love it and commit to it and like that alone should be a testament to how important this series is in the history of fantasy so can't recommend it enough and this all culminates with the Wheel of Time TV series coming out on Amazon. They've already started picking back up filming of it. So it's inevitable that it's coming out. And we should have some background with the series by the time the show comes out. And no time to start like the present for something that is 14 books long and would take us half a year if we just read it continuously and became nothing but a Wheel of Time podcast, which we're not going to do. So <laughs> let's start it now. Let's 
go back to Phantology and say he's he, he he's read he's reading it now. <laughs> <laughs> And and we can go back and we can finally face the Twitter sphere again, <laughs> and we can go into those brackets and pick Wheel of Time characters and things, and and uh, yeah, it'll be a whole lot of fun. So let's all be part of the conversation, man. That's my pitch. Yeah, well, I'm hearing you loud and clear. I've been hearing this message for quite some time uh, across multiple podcasts so it's uh, <laughs> it's hard for me at this point to uh, not feel that this is one of if not the like biggest gap in my yeah right like my repertoire mm-hmm. when it comes to fantasy books that I've read it's just over and over again, Wheel of Time, right? So, right. And now it's the second time I'm being pitched it <laughs> on our own show. <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's not really any getting away from it. I think that, Charles, can you uh, just give me a, a little something here of why, like, what am I missing from Wheel of Time that I haven't gotten now that I have... I've read Lord of the Rings. I've read all this like more modern fantasy. Give give me a piece here. What will I gain from it? That sure. uh, besides the cred, the street cred, which was a big part of your pitch sure. just now. So when if we ever do read the Eye of the World, right? You'll pick it up. You'll start reading it, and you'll be like, "This is Lord of the Rings." right Mm -hmm. it's that same high fantasy this is basically the shire these guys are basically like hobbits there's a chosen one like all this stuff right that's how it starts but it turns into something almost right away you know once they once the book kind of gets its own legs and you'll come to find that the wheel of time is heavily influenced by mythology and by this idea of how communication gets changed and warped as time and distance, like how time and distance affect the exchange of communication. And then all these different belief systems come into play, all these different mythologies like uh, Robert Jordan drew in from pretty much every religion there is to sprinkle and pepper out throughout his world. So what you're missing from reading uh wheel of time that you aren't getting from anything else is this whole idea of all these cultures and magic systems and mythos that are created in in the wheel of time this idea of channeling is super interesting how it affects men versus women is super interesting um this idea of this chosen one thing is interesting as well and then you're going through literally a cast of hundreds spread out over an incredibly long distance over an an incredibly long time so there's experiences there right of being familiarized with the world getting ingrained in it so much and it's not like Tolkien where you're reading it and it's like you're reading an appendix and you see a huge chunk of paragraph and you your eyes start to glaze over it's not that it's told in a much more um, digestible way just because you have 14 books with it right you're in it so much you pick up on all these things kind of naturally and it kind of builds up your enthusiasm and and your interest and um, there's so much to kind of discover in these worlds that 
that's why I think it's remained so popular today. There's a lot of meat on the bones, as they say, and um, mostly you, Gerald. <laughs> and fans, <laughs> mostly you say that. Fans love it, man. So I'd say that's what it is. In short, it's just like the expanse of it, and also how he's used mythology and culture to create this huge world. It's just a bunch of interesting ideas that you can't get in like a trilogy. That's a great point, Charles. Mm-hmm. And I, though I do occasionally dig in my <laughs> heels and get snarky about Wheel of Time, I do feel <laughs> I'm uh, missing out on something that must be pretty epic to have captured the attention and love of so many people. And, and people, of course, that I very much just appreciate and respect their thoughts on the fantasy genre like of course uh folks over at pantologic steven <laughs> who have called me out so it's like <laughs> i do deep deep down uh beneath all the snark feel like yeah there's there's got to be something here and charles i think you've done a good job of reminding me thank you what it what is here great um do you have any more questions or is it time I think it's time, unless you have a parting no, words no. on. Yeah, you've said your piece. Over I've said there. my piece. All right. Well, <laughs> you brought some serious heavy hitters, as you said, Charles. Yes. I mean, what can I say about a song of ice and fire that hasn't been said that you haven't said? Right. It's a critical part of even just like our friendship, and For sure. uh, of course, just as fantasy goes such a huge part of uh, of the genre right mm-hmm. so uh, it's it's hard to it's hard to drop any of them i have to say though charles i'm not ready when it comes to wow. <laughs> a song of ice and fire um and not ready you know what i'm not ready i'm not ready because I am. I'm very serious about my, like, I don't feel ready. I don't feel like others are ready. I think we got to give it some time. So I have to say with the song Rise and Fire, I put respect on the name. Of course. I, I love it, man. I, you, it's just, it was hard. It was, it was hard to watch how things ended. So I know I'm, I'm passing a sentence here and I'm willing to swing the sword. I am going to look a song of ice and fire in the eyes and say, not today. I'm sorry. Not not, today. Not today, as we say to the God of death, right? (laughs) Not today is better than to say I'm passing the sentence and swing the sword because those will not be the final words of a song of ice and fire on the podcast. And it'll be back for sure. But not today, as we say to the God of death. So. So that leaves you between the Farseer mm-hmm. trilogy, starting with the Assassin's Apprentice by Robin Hobb and the Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan. Right, two and tough choices. I don't envy you. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, when it comes to Wheel of Time, there are just so many conversations and going ons and things like that on Twitter and elsewhere that I feel I'm, I'm missing out on. And it's amazing that how long lasting the impact of wheel of time has been. Uh, I've heard it from so many people. I 
I know this is a gap. I know that I should read it. And I very much plan to at some point for sure, Charles. And when it comes to Farseer, um, I do feel like I owe it another shot now that I've gotten more perspective on the fantasy genre and the breadth of what it can offer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And? And all of that being said, as I said with Lord of the Rings, Charles, it's time. Oh. <laughs> it's time, and it's the Wheel of Time Whoa. that I'm going oh, to I be... I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm like, going to be picking. I never was truly believing that you would pick it like i knew you were going to be really tempted but i was like is he is today the day today's the day i Charles. honestly wasn't sure where you were going to go <laughs> <laughs> yeah today's the day it's wow d- i think it's due at this point i f- i feel like i'm missing out I kind of know a bit of what farseer has to offer i think and i'm excited to get back to it when that comes around, but it feels more pressing and urgent. Let's let's read some wheel time on this podcast, Charles. I couldn't agree more. This is very exciting. I can't believe it. That's like, <laughs> that we, now we have committed ourselves to at least three books, but potentially 14. <laughs> this is going to yeah. be a long journey. It's going to be a lengthy journey. Time will go by quite a bit, but I'm happy to be taking that journey with you Dylan I'm excited to be taking that journey with you Charles so I guess we would start with the trilogy and then decide when we're gonna pepper in more of it there'll be still 11 books to go so uh we'll fit them in (laughs) between that and the eight books we have to read for Abercrombie we'll We'll yeah. fit it all in, but we're going to keep for nine we'll with keep Abercrombie. Hoping for nine. So we have nine Abercrombie, 11 <laughs> Wheel of Time. And then we're going to have to also keep it exciting with new different stories as well. So we're going to be reading quite a bit. We'll find a way <laughs> to keep it fresh <laughs> on the FDF podcast. But we've got a lot of books that just got added to the TBR. <laughs> a lot. It's true. Um and that leads us to what everyone that we built up at the beginning of the show here are virtual audio only. And by audio, I mean us telling you what happens, description of the coin toss. Um, Dylan, can you see the coin on the screen? I can see the coin, Charles, and I can confirm to all our listeners who are on the edge of their seat that there is a digital coin on Charles's screen. All right. So at, here's how this is going to work. Because I'm the one flipping, as is customary, Dylan will call it in the air. And <laughs> the virtual air. If Dylan calls correctly, then we will read um we will read the first law first, followed by Wheel of Time. If he calls incorrectly, it will be Wheel of Time first, followed by um that other one, the first law. So uh if you're ready, Dylan, um I'll just do a three, two, one flip. And uh, call it in the air. Sure thing. All right. I've got my mouse over the flip again button. The mouse is on the flip again button. And my fingers over the mouse here. So we will be flipping the virtual coin in three, two, one. Heads. It's flipping. It's flipping. 
and it's heads. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the coin flipped and landed on heads, which is what Dylan had predicted, which means that after our buddy read of Book of the Ancestor, we're going right into First Law and then right into Wheel of Time. That's wow. pretty stacked. <laughs> yeah, pretty stacked. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Um, I'm excited, man. I think this is going to be a really great... I'm excited to to talk First Law, honestly. I think it's going to be really, really fun. So, um, yeah, man, let's just go ahead and, and, and get the outro music going here. Thank you, everybody, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. Coming up, Book of the Ancestor. After that, First Law. After that, Wheel of Flippin' Time. Everybody, you are not going to want to miss this months and months and months of very exciting programming. And we'll have tons of spoiler-free, fun Friends episodes. And we'll be reading all kinds of other fun books in the meantime it's going to be spreading it all out it's going to be fantasy extravaganza over here on the friends talk fantasy podcast you're not gonna want to miss it nailed it if they want to interact with us dylan how how can people do that how can they show us some love show us some support they can go to us on twitter at the ftf podcast one and they can also go to facebook or instagram at the FDF podcast, or they could email us at the FDF podcast at gmail.com. Toss five stars to your podcast, yes. guys. Come on. So, we are going to go for now. We have a lot of reading to do. <laughs> but um, until next time, guys, as always, go forth and conquer, friends.